1: Good Tuesday evening to you. It is February 21st, and Tuesday nights are always the best night of the week. I am Blaine Fowler, coming to you from an undisclosed location in Provo. Welcome to Wise Guys. We're glad to have you with us this Tuesday night, this rainy Tuesday night in Utah, uh, a night where this rain's supposed to turn to snow, up to 20 inches on the benches, and who knows how much in the mountains. Um, We're doing a little bit of Wurzwaldo this week. Usually it's me that's on the road. And my longtime broadcast partner and buddy that's here, anchoring from our location in Provo. But this time the roles are reversed. I'm here, and my buddy Dave McCann is on the road. And you're going to disclose your location, though, Dave. So tell tell us about where you're at and what you're doing down there.
0: Listen, after I got that forecast, I got out of town. It's like <laughs> I put a foot of snow on the ground. Forget it. Uh, so I'm in Las Vegas, my home away from home, and I'm emceeing a. Uh, convention tomorrow for the Western Petroleum Marketers Association. I've done it for about a dozen years. Met some of the world's most fascinating people. Plus, I'm also checking out some new places for us to eat when we're back here next week for the West Coast Conference Tournament on BYU TV. This clouds and chilly here, Las Vegas Standard, nothing like what we got going on up in Utah. The good news is, no matter what the weather's like, with the indoor practice facility, uh, football is two weeks from returning, rain or shine. And uh, we'll talk about that tonight, the spring practice. Linebackers coach Justin Anna is going to be there in studio with you. We got a really cool show tonight. And Dr. Dewey Gray is going to join us, another former Cougar. Uh, he's going to join us from South Carolina. He started his own church after he was done playing football on and- and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, so, it's going to good and, football cougars on the agenda.
1: And and Dewey's church is going strong. That's awesome. And hey, by the way, Justin is in the house. So he just did. I, he came in the door. He's sitting over in the green room over there. <laughs> is that carpet green? See, I'm colorblind. So I asked I ask DJ and, Jen and, and Justin if the carpet's green. So he's in a chair on green carpet, which we're going to call the green room because it makes us sound a little more classy. But, but Justin's in the house. Honestly, I've been worried all day long. When it started to rain midday, I thought, man, I hope this doesn't turn to yeah. snow too soon and that, that any of us have trouble getting to the to the studio. I was worried Justin – now, we're not going to give away too much, but the studio is on a hill in Provo, and so I was worried we'd have some trouble getting up here. But but Justin's in the house. So we're really excited to have new linebackers coach Justin in. Him. Hey, men's basketball, you talked about you and I being back down there where you're at um, next week for the WCC tournament. They're limping into the final week of the regular season. What does Mark Pope need to do to get this program turned around? They only have one game this week on Saturday against San Francisco. And to me, it feels like a huge weight that they've got to get a win to not go on a a big long-term losing streak into that tournament. Um, So we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show.
0: Yeah, I wrote about my ideas of what needs to happen in the Threat News. So I'm really curious to hear what you think should happen. Uh, as they try to, man, the Big 12's next week, next year. And um, anyway, they got some work to do. The women uh, have a huge week ahead, the biggest homestand of the season coming up with tournament seedings hanging in the balance. And star and junior Lauren Gustin makes history again. We'll roll those numbers out for you.
1: Yeah. That, talk about a big week. We're not going to, we'll, we'll get into it, but the two best teams in the league are rolling into Provo, into the Marriott Center this week. So, um, and BYU seeding, there's a big spread of what it could be, depending on how they do this week. So we'll, we'll talk women's basketball as well. Hey, men's golf goes out and celebrates a huge championship in Hawaii with a lot of big name teams in that tournament. They took it home. We'll talk a little bit about men's golf off to good. Is this one of those special uh, golf seasons coming up here, Dave? Like, like w- let's let's talk about that in a bit. But, um, you know, they've got some national championship hardware on, on the golf team, so is it going to be that kind of year? It sure looked good this last week.
0: Is there a better team to be on in college than on the golf team? No. Whether, if you're if you're a man on the men's team, a woman on the women's team, you're playing in all the warm places, the yeah. great golf courses, and um, I know you went to football, and I was in class. So we we both should have, we both should have been good enough to be on the golf team. Would uh,
1: no dream. golf is like, hey, and baseball anymore. I mean, come on, we 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 had Coach Pratt on here. And we were talking about the cold weather and starting cold. he's like, oh, no, we go on a road trip where it's warm. We, we, we had Coach Eakins in here from softball. And we're like, well, yeah. hopefully this weather clears up. He goes, yeah, we don't care. We're going to play like eight games in Mexico. Football team doesn't do that. Football guys are tough guys. They just and, – and when I was playing, when you and I were in school, Dave, um, we didn't have the student athlete uh, – we didn't have the SAB, but we also didn't have the IPF, the indoor practice facility. And so uh, – Sometimes we were out in the snow in spring. We'd take some skills into the end of the Smith House, where you couldn't even run a full route. Guys would punt into nets and kick into nets. And now everybody gets to use that beautiful facility. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's like a different day just two weeks away, right? We talk football. It's just two weeks away. March 6th, spring practice starts. Um, March 24th is pro day uh, for 18 Cougars. BYU TV is going to cover that, so you can tune into BYU TV and see how the Cougars perform in, in their pro day performances. March 31st is the BYU Spring Scrimmage, which we're going to um, broadcast in its entirety for the first time, and uh, and, and that's going to be great. Hey, it's big-time football now. It's the Big 12, so we broadcast the spring game like everybody else, and then then right after that that spring scrimmage, we've got the, uh, the BYU Alumni Game, which... Was like this made-for-TV event last year that was so fun. Ended in a hail mary, Max Hall to Brian Keel, no less, who catches the game-winning hail mary. And uh, I'm not gonna say, even though I already know, and I think you know too. You, we, you and I both know, right?
0: This is I mean, one of those times where we know, but we just we can't just say, can't we wish say, we could say
1: because <laughs> because we promised we wouldn't say. But I'm just gonna say this much: the quarterbacks that are gonna play in the alumni game this year, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. We're you're going want to be there. We're going big time. So, um, and we'll, we'll announce that when the university is ready to announce that, but, um, but you know what, make your plans to be at both of those. If you can, um, if you're anywhere around here, come to the spring scrimmage, come to that alumni game. It's an unbelievable atmosphere. Um, and then, and let's show the big 12, what BYU fandom is all about. Let's fill that stadium up for that spring scrimmage so that whole league can um, go, wow, look, at they had 35,000 people at their spring game. Man, this is a big-time program coming into our league. And then and then stay there for that alumni game. If you're not living close by where you can get here, then just tune in and watch us on BYU TV. But what a day that's going to be.
0: We were talking about how could they top last year's inaugural alumni game with that finish you were mentioning a moment ago. And then we saw the quarterbacks. Yeah, so we it, thought – that's how you top that. It's going to so be just fine. Stay tuned. That's going to be cool. Justin and I are going to join us in a couple of minutes as we celebrate his long-awaited homecoming at BYU. A couple of Cougars are going to stay in the NFL for a little longer. Zane Anderson signed with the Bills, a two-year contract there. And the Vikings this week re-signed Kairos Tonga to the defensive line, which is super cool.
1: Yeah, what what a great impact Kyrus Tonga has had. And he's just like this immovable object. Actually, he's, he's not immovable. You can't stop him from moving. Like, he, it, when, when he gets off the line of scrimmage and starts pushing, I don't care if you double him. Guys look like on their roller skates, and he's really established himself. And So he resigns with the Vikings. That's fantastic for Kyrus. And then for Zane, um, I love that he signs a two-year contract with the Vikings. It's the guy that was with the Chiefs, on the practice squad, activated, played special teams, back on the practice squad. One of those guys that's really paid his dues. Terrific skill set. I feel bad because we all knew – that Zane had the skill set to play at that level. And he, he just had so many injuries while he was at BYU. He right. never really got to show what he could do there. But it's it's starting to show up in the NFL. He's he stayed healthy this last year, and now he's gonna get an opportunity with a two-year contract with with the um with the Bills. So I'm really excited for him. And hey, Bills is kind of back right. I was a Giants guy, but I have a bunch of family that are Bills fanatics, and what a fan base that is. I think he's gonna enjoy it until about November and then he's gonna go. Who would live in this place? That's what he saying. Hey, look, say. he
0: might get to the Super Bowl. You know, the Bills are that close. That they got to figure out how to get past uh, Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Andy Reid was on BYU Sports Nation on Monday. Great interview, which you can find it at um, at uh, dot and, and it got us to thinking about what he's accomplished. And we'll ask Dewey Gray, who's going to come up here in just a few minutes. Dewey was on the field when BYU beat Miami, so he's had some moments. We'll talk to him about Andy Reid a bit later in the show, but look at those uh, wins. 247 wins. That's fifth most all-time, Blaine. And then the list just gets more impressive the further down you read.
1: Yeah, 22 playoff wins, second most all-time, 10 conference title games with two different teams. I mean, come on. And then four Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowl rings. I know know our guest that's coming in just a bit um, here in, in about four minutes, Justin Enna has had some interactions with our good friend, Andy Reed and, 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 and we'll have some to say about him as well. But, um, Andy is, I, I it's, we can say it now, right? He's a hall of fame NFL coach. Right? Oh, yeah. When you're fifth all time in wins and second, most all time in playoff wins and have done with two different franchises, what he's done. Like it, it, there's nothing left for to be done for him to be a hall of famer, but he acts like he's still got lots of energy and ready to still keep going, which is just awesome. And, and one of the best human beings you will ever, ever meet, um, I we like I texted him the day after, after Super Bowl. I figured you would get a bazillion texts on Super Bowl Sunday, right? So I texted him the next day, and, and he responded back, and we went back and forth a little bit. And I congratulated him he and Tammy because it's just such a big deal, you know, and it's so cool for them. But then we just talked about our boys. We just talked because because his son Spencer's on the strength staff at BYU. Gavin's working there, and and about the interaction that they're having, and how much fun they're having with one another, and that's the way it is with Andy. Andy's just real, and so when you're talking to Andy, it's about real things, and uh, he just never gets caught up in who he is, which is one of the greatest football coaches in the history of the game. That's all, which I think is so yeah. awesome. So first class
0: all the way, and uh, what a what a representative. Of, uh, of BYU. Um should we talk hoops first or should we just bring Justin you in? Know what? While we're, let's while let's bring
1: let's team. bring Justin in and I'm going to draw a line here and we're going to come back to we're going to come back to men's hoops and, and talk yeah. about uh, about that and about this crazy league that that BYU is going into for basketball. <laughs> if Justin thinks the football league is tough, that that basketball league, my goodness. The whole league might go to the NCAA tournament this year. So we'll we'll come back <laughs> We'll come back and, and address that as Justin gets settled in here. So, so our
0: first guest tonight it reminds us of that Super Tramp song, Take the Long Way Home. Played linebacker for the Cougars between 1997 and 2001. Then he coached Southern Utah, Weber State, Utah, Utah State, and San Diego State before returning home to coach the linebackers at BYU. Pleasure to welcome Justin Anna to the Wise. Guys, welcome home. How does it feel to be back?
2: It feels great. Um, it's been a it's been a long long time coming. And uh, if anybody wants to know where the greatest restaurants are around the state, I've I've got a pretty good. I've been everywhere, not, everywhere in the state.
1: Not just everywhere in the state, SoCal too, right? So yes, you, you you've got it down. Justin and I used to when he was at the U. You know, we'd see each other before games when I was doing that package that that in, in that whole league, and and he'd always give me a hug, and I just always felt like you were you were a cougar. Yeah. Whether you had red on or purple on or black and red on, I always felt like Justin was a cougar at heart. Did it? Did you feel like that? It, it seemed that way to me. Yeah, when when, when you go to BYU
2: and, and, and you're uh, coached by Coach Lavelle Edwards, um, it's a special, really special, special lineage and uh, tradition that you got to keep carrying on. So I've you keep on carrying that, that brotherhood, right? That we've both, you've been coached by Coach Edwards. I've been coached by Coach Edwards. I mean, it's it's special. And like, so he's
1: our dad coach, which makes us brothers. Exactly. Which And it goes through all the generations, it doesn't does.
2: it? It really does.
0: You're the
1: first guest on our show that's
0: brought in guns that
1: rival Blaine.
0: Ah! <laughs>
2: I I did a quick pump real quick before I got in, just just to rival him a little bit. I'm still a loser on that one, too. I knew that
1: Justin was coming. I knew he and Gavin would probably lift this morning. And so I went in, and I was supposed to do legs today, but I'm like, nah, forget about that. I better do some buys and tries today. Because I knew knew Anna, Anna was coming in with those guns. No, he's got way bigger arms than me. I'm just skinnier, so... People think I have big arms because I'm skinny and my veins come oh, out. Veins are
2: pumping out pretty so good, yeah, but
1: that's but but come on, Justin's <laughs> arms are way bigger than mine. He's a hoss. So hey, of, of all the coaching stops that, that you've had, we mentioned all of them. Yeah. Didn't, did we get them all? You did. I think Dave got them all. Which one taught you the most? Do you think in that um, in that run um, that, that it's fashioned who you are today and uh, in, in your perspective today?
2: You know, it's probably going to have to go back to my first coaching gig, which was uh, Southern Utah. Learning how to do it the right way and just pressing forward and and understanding. Again, I was Coach Ed Lamb was the head coach over there. And just trying to to understand the scheme and understanding how coaching went. And again, I was 30 years old at the time. I just got done with the league when I was 28. So I was just trying to figure out who I was as a coach. And I, I got the best advice from Coach Edwards. And Coach Edwards always said, hey, be you. And if you're trying to be someone else, they're going to see through it. The players will understand that you're you're a fraud. Just be as good as you can be. Know that when you make mistakes, own them, and then try to get better the next day. And again, I, again, we're Lavelle guys, and how how he did everything was how I want to do everything. And so it's a, I'm a, again a coaching tree from Coach Coach Edwards is, is special,
1: and, and including Andy Reid, who Dave and I were yeah. talking about before you came on. You you heard us talking about Andy. Mike Holmgren who coached there was my quarterback's coach when when I was wow. playing. And then and then if you look at Andy and Mike's coaching tree, yeah. um, and it then it just gets crazy, including Kyle Whittingham up at the U where you spent you spent some time. Yeah. You know, with with being at, at, at BYU and then being up at Utah, and it's it's always interesting to me. I live with Kyle, I live at the Whittingham's yeah. house. And so I can't be as big a Utah hater as everyone, right? Yeah. I could root for Kyle and for for Freddie and all those guys. Um But when BYU plays Utah, even when I was broadcasting those games, Kyle would go, come on, Blaine. Like, you can root for... I'm like, I'm not rooting for anybody, Kyle. I'm like, I'm calling the game. I'm going to get in a trance and call the game. But when I had Kellen on the team or Gavin on the team, he'd go, come on, man. Like, you're not rooting for... I'm I'm like, I'm rooting for Kellen to do really, really well, but I'm just going to call the game. He's like, no, Blaine, you don't have to lie to me. It's okay if you root for BYU in this game when Kellen's playing. Kyle said that to me. When you were up there... Now you're back coaching against BYU, You're all mater. You talk about the great ties you have to Lavelle and the family environment that you created there. What was that like to coach against BYU when you were at Utah?
2: Yeah, I loved coming to BYU just for the fact, especially when you were playing at Lavelle Edwards Stadium because it was special. Um, the Rock would be running in two hours before, and they would fill up that whole south end zone. And you're like, this place is special. And I never realized it as a player until you come back as a coach and you're saying... It's the loudest place that I've ever coached at, at bar, bar none. I mean, doesn't, Rice Eccles doesn't even come close to, wow. what, to what Lavelle Edwards Stadium is. And even Oregon, I think it rivals Oregon for sure. But when you go down there and you're like, you can't hear anything, and then you feel like the just just the spirit of the crowd, they're so into it. And it's just... It's, you, you can't rival it especially since again I'm a byU alum and I'm like I'm coaching for the the wrong team and i'm like all right I just got to go with it but it was it was uh it's very special to, to come back home
0: listen there's the colors blue and, and red but the color green is still the one that uh that trumps it all because you know you got to pay the bills
2: <laughs> and uh,
0: and so the Utes were paying you and 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 all these other schools too much Last year, San Diego State's paying you, and your defense ranks in the top 25 in red zone defense, rushing defense, tackles for loss, sacks, and scoring defense, which is everything Kalani and Jay Hill want out of this defense this fall. That's a tall order, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it really is. Uh, I learned so much from Coach Hoke. It was my first time doing the defensive line, and so learning from Coach Hoke, who's pretty much the D-line guru of of, of college football and probably pro football too as well. Uh, learning from him and understanding how they do so many different stunts and schemes in that three three five stack that's Rocky Longs. Um, we were just trying to make sure that we simulated as best as possible the coverages behind of it and, and again causing havoc and chaos and getting in the backfield as much as possible was learning from Coach Hoke and understanding like again, sometimes you're not gonna be able to do everything exactly right, but as long as you're playing as violent as possible and trying to get knocked back in TFLs, it was uh, it was really fun to learn from him. So it was a, a Big blessing to to learn that front, especially the D line, from one of the very best in the game.
1: You know, you, you mentioned Brady Hoke, and you've been really fortunate to coach with some some really good head coaches. I mean, I love Brady when he was at San Diego State the first go around. Yep. I got to know him really, really well. And then, of course, he was the head coach at Michigan, and he came back to San Diego State. But what's that been like? And and what have you taken? Because Kyle Whittingham's a phenomenal coach. He's a he's a, he's a Hall of Fame college yeah. coach, right? Um, you, you were with Lavelle and played for Lavelle. Um, you, you, you have been with so many good people. Um, what, what have you taken from some of those mentors that, that you think you can apply? You're still assistant coach, yeah. but that hel- helps you to be a better coach.
2: Yeah. Uh, again, you're going to learn and take nuggets away from everybody that, that you've, uh, been around. And, and again, you want to make sure that you emulate the, 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 very best of those guys. The one thing I can say about, about all those guys is, uh, they love the game. But they also understood that there was more priorities and and, and it was there's more specifics. And you, it was OK to be not only a great, great football coach, but make sure that you're a great husband and father, too, as well. So um, and again, I think Coach Whittingham being around him, it was it was awesome because he is a great man. And to learn from him and uh, I know linebacker play is his, his thing, but it was one of those things where I felt um, sometimes my like, coach, hey, give me a little bit of of information or data that you could do to help me become a better coach. And he would give it to me, but then a lot of the times he wouldn't even step on my toes. He's like, hey, run with this. And to take that ownership from from a, a linebacker guy that's completely the very best at what he does that was great learning from him and then also being around Kalani when I started getting into the game it was he was pretty much my mentor at linebacker play because I was a linebacker of course but then to be a coach was a little bit different so being around some really really good men Gary Anderson I I loved everything that he did Um, Jay Hill in 2014 was when I was his DC it was easy to come back home and just say hey this is where I want to be and then to be back with Kalani and the way Kalani runs this is is, is very special. And, uh, it, again, it's a, a, a great – he emulates Lavelle Edwards almost to a T as much as he can.
1: It feels like home. So, hey, BYU linebackers coach Justin Ennis with us on Wise Guys Live. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and ysguys.com. Um, uh, so so glad to have you here. Let, let's talk a minute about some of your guys And um, that you've got now here, you've had a chance to get eyes on him and watch him working out and, and, and have meetings and pick their brains a little bit. Ben Bywater. I want to start with Ben Bywater because he just seems like a specimen. What do you want to see from him in his junior season? He led the team in tackles, both his freshman and sophomore years. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Ben, his progress and what you expect out of him.
2: He's very intentional. And everything he does, and that's uh, a big compliment for a 22 year old kid that got back from a mission. And and again, he's got every a million things going on, but he wants to become the very best football player possible. And so he's always like, "Hey, who can I look at?" And again, "Hey, watch your film." But then there's some guys that I've coached that are pretty good players just too, like like Cody Barton and, and Chase Hansen, guys that. I think he's in the same realm, and those guys are both playing in the NFL and, and, and high draft picks. It's just making sure that he's he's putting the time and effort into it and making sure he's as healthy as possible, possible because he is a very, very good football player, and I'm excited to see what he can do this year.
0: How about Max Tooley, another good athlete uh, who shows that uh, he can do more than just take interceptions back for touchdowns, but he had some fun doing that uh, last year. Uh, what about max
2: yeah max is max has got a lot of edge and that's what i love about it. he loves to strike and so almost to the point where it's almost counterproductive because he's not as big as you you want him to be so right now the most important thing is putting some armor on gaining hopefully 15 to 20 pounds of muscle up uh, on the upper body and the shoulders to make sure that he's he's filling out a little bit more and it also gives you more confidence to strike and strike through and he's uh he plays well with his hands he's a really really smart football player but he's extremely athletic i mean he runs a low 4-5 and some are saying crazy. high 4-4 four, four. so there's that speed that he has is special and uh i'm excited to see what he can do and it was very reactive last year's defense uh, of playing off of offensive uh, defensive alignment and this uh, is very attack style. It's uh, it's gap control defense. You're going to know if you hit the A or the B gap, if you don't hit it right, then it's going to be on you. So gaps are all going to be taken. you got to make sure you do your job, and you want to do it as violent as possible.
1: Yeah, it's So talk, talk to our folks that are out there and in, 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 uh, online with us watching on YouTube. We mentioned all the different platforms that are, are, are tuned in, and people will listen to us on a podcast. that will be on a podcast tomorrow. People download it and listen in their car. About the differences, because last year, I don't know if we call it a two gap defense, but the linebackers did a lot more where they would have to read what's going on and then make a decision and then react. Where this season you're saying a lot more one gap for them. So, hey, nose, you got the a gap and backer. You go. You've got, you've got the B-gap. Go. And they get to play downhill. What will the difference look like to people on the field?
2: So the nice thing about that, so you've, you had a lot of odd front last year, three down front, and then it, it demands double teams, correct? With the D-line, with the O-line. The There's five O-linemen, the th- three D-linemen. And so you're getting a lot of double teams staying on, staying on and trying to get up to the next level. Well, the, the, the backer's trying to say, are you, are you playing the front side A or the backside A if I was going against uh, with my, my D-tackle? And so there's a lot of times where the D tackle and the middle backer are not on the same page. And so what happens is the backer's just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then you see the D tackle decide to pop front side. Well, now the fits are wrong. And so, this is a lot easier defense where you get that nose tackle a lot of times when we're in the out front. It's going to be pretty much firing off playing knockback, understanding that he's going to trail and be the backside A gap, allows the, the backer to play frontside A and go attack it. So, double teams can't stay on anymore, and you're actually building a wall in the backfield instead of two or three yards past the line of scrimmage, like sometimes happens when you're just letting D linemen eat blocks for, forever. Sometimes. And you're
1: redirecting. In this defense, this defense you ran at Utah um, when you were there, Kalani ran that. Um, uh, obviously, Jay ran it there. This is what he ran at Weber. Yep. Um, and, you know, in and, and Rocky's design that you ran with Brady this last year, they're, they're blitzing almost every play, right? Because yep. they really, really – I remember yep. talking to Rocky one time. I was like, how do you get such good corners at New Mexico? This is when he was at New Mexico. Yep. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about, Blaine. I don't have good corners. We're like, what are you talking about? You guys are blitzing all day long. He goes, no, I only make him cover for a second and a half. We're getting to the quarterback. But when you come, you got to get home, right, so you don't expose folks. But So this is more like those defenses that you have coached in yeah. and can create a lot more havoc in the run game. But you do have to have a good group behind him. And you are you feeling good about that secondary behind can hold up?
2: Yeah, I, I again, Coach coach Hill, he'll probably speak for himself when he gets here. But he, 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 he's been pleasantly surprised with the DBs. I think uh, Giannaro Guilford's done a really good job of uh, recruiting the right guys. Uh, they look like they're fast. Again, I think they're intentional. Intentional. They want to make sure that they understand exactly how the whole frame of the defense looks instead of just looking at themselves. And, uh, again, they're smart and uh, very athletic. So I think as long as you can run, play man coverage, and then play some zone that makes it disguised to look like man, I mean, you're, you're in a really good spot. And, again, you've, you've got to make sure that you get the right guys that buy in to the scheme and understanding the little schematics and, and semantics that will help you become a very, very good football player. But it's those little details that that, that separates you from being a good player to a great player.
0: What are your goals for spring football here in a couple of weeks for the linebacking Corin and, and will Bywater and Thule be back off their surgeries or are they going to kind of be standing and watching until fall
2: camp yeah they're unfortunately just going to be standing and watching uh until fall camp but uh again their number one priority uh for ben is just to make sure he got a healthy arm does his does his rehab and then max just needs to put that weight on too as well because ben is about 235 and max needs to keep on putting the weight on which he is i mean he's gained about 10 pounds since i've been here for about a month and a half so there's a lot of good progress what what he's doing and again it's the buy-in and 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 coach hill does such a good job at making sure that these guys understand like it's the little things i mean i want you you got to learn the defense make sure that you're you're shaved uh make sure you don't have any hair underneath the collar all those things that come into play because it's it's all the little things that really add up to to the big things and uh i'm excited i think with 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 max he's He'll he'll be out too as well, but I think during the spring ball, what I'm looking for is just guys to play as hard as possible, to be as violent as possible, and and, and understand the scheme. Um, we want to make sure that we're taking that a gap as soon as possible, those b gaps, and just playing great gap control defense and allowing that that double team can't hang on those D linemen anymore because we're going to be smoking those gaps.
1: Yeah, it's good. That's a good point. When you talk about these combo blocks that we would see, where like uh, say a guard, a guard and a tackle come come down, or a center and a guard, and that middle backer is who the guard's responsible for. But if the backer's not committing, they can stay on that nose forever, right? Yep. And so, so this this will be a different look. Is there anybody else, Justin? Um, I know it's pre-spring, so you're gonna get a much better look when they get some pads on and start to yeah. play. But uh, because Bywater and Tooley have been such a big part of everything BYU's done um, in this last couple of years. Are there some other backers that people might be looking for that we're, we're not aware of yet?
2: Yeah. Um, Fisher Jackson is one of those guys that moved from a defensive end to a backer spot. I'm excited to see his progression, especially at the uh, Sam Backer. Um, and then we had uh, Ace Kafusi and Micah Kafusi. Ace just got back from a mission and Micah just was gray shooting this last Ball. so both those guys coming in their their long bodies i think they move around really well um and they love the game and again all you're looking for is a kid that is coachable that wants to learn and and and, and has a little bit of little bit of an edge another return missionary is Kyle Vassa that i'm excited to see what he can do too as well he's big strong and uh, and again very intentional
1: you know there was a Kavika Gagne that that had had played really well as a freshman and he had a major you have multiple guys yeah that, that are going to have to kind of come back from these injuries, but it sounds like you got a good mix of of young guys coming in as well.
2: I think we do. I think we really do.
0: Justin Adams on the Wise Guys tonight, finished his BYU career with 86 solo tackles, a fumble recovery, an interception, and 18 tackles for loss. Uh, back home as BYU's new linebackers coach. While you were at San Diego State, you got a sneak peek at BYU's new running back, 6'3", 230-pound Aiden rushed 21 times for 115 yards against your Aztec defense so give us a give us the inside skinny on him what's he going to bring to the team this fall for a guy who had to try to stop him last year
2: yeah you 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 do not want to let him get his momentum going because he is strong so we were trying to get um as much games and stunts in front of him to make sure that he cut with lateral but when he wouldn't it would be downhill. It would take two or three guys to, to bring him down because he is so big and strong. I thought he was a pretty good pass catcher coming out of the backfield, too. But he seemed like, a, again, he was a downhill back. And if you didn't get in front of him early, uh, he was going to get at least five yards just because of the momentum alone.
1: You know, what? one of the things that BYU struggled with last year was third and short, fourth and short. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd be talking and, and, people would say hey it's the same offensive line like what's going on like they always converted third and one last year and I would go you know Tyler was playing running back last year and look what he's doing in the NFL right now and so maybe with uh, with Aiden Robbins in their third and one becomes an easier make for this offense because I know they got a good group up front in front of them again this year and that running back makes a huge difference especially short yarders doesn't it
2: it really does I mean as a defensive line coach or D coordinator, or linebackers coach, you're trying to figure out where they're trying to wash it down. And then with a big back getting downhill steam, it's going to be hard to one or two guys. And it ain't going to bring him down at least for that one yard. It's going to be steam and rolling over the top. And it's going to be one of those things where you you might get a good shot at him, but he's just too big and strong and to, to run, get that half yard or yard.
0: So Justin, when you saw that, uh, that he was coming, that you'd signed
2: him. Um, what were your, what went through your mind now that he's going to run for your team? <laughs> well, we always take pride in making sure that we limit everybody to a hundred yards, and we were like, "Hey, we got to stop Aiden Robbins." And when he had those, the plus a hundred yards during us, we we're like, "Dang it!" But he ran the ball so well against us too, because we really thought we could get in front of him and slow him down, and we couldn't do it. We barely snuck out with a, a win against UNLV last year. So he's a, he's a great back. And, again, it's one of those things where, again, if you can control the clock and have a big back that can get those third and fourth and ones, I'm telling you, that's 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 great for a defense.
1: Yeah, those are those are game changers. Moving the chains in short yardage and keeping that ball just a little bit longer is, is, is complimentary football, right? Yes, sir. Um, you started all 12 games your senior season, which was Lavelle's last a season as a head coach, which is really cool. Take us in the locker room after that that BYU, after that rally, um, where you guys came back to beat the Utes in Salt Lake City in his final game. That that must have been amazing. By the way, Justin, everyone finished with nine tackles and a forced fumble in that game. But but what was that like?
2: You know, it's one of those things where it was awesome. I, I remember Kalani and Ryan Denny put him up on the shoulder. I was talking to a few other guys, but just having giving that that win to coach Edwards because we did we ended that year six and six it wasn't the greatest year whatsoever but to have that win at Rice Eccles with Lavell's last game um it, it was it was awesome it was just you you felt you did everything possible to get that W for him because you just you loved him and for him because he didn't show a lot of emotion right? He really didn't, but at that time he let it kind of loose. I think he had a, a few tears, but he was throwing his hands up and just it was it was a, it was a, a beautiful moment that I'll never forget.
1: I, I wonder. Um, I'm certain you've had conversations, you know, before Coach passed, as you were getting into your coaching career with with Coach Edwards about your coaching career and trajectory and what do you want what do you want to do? What, what was that like? I, to me, in broadcasting, I got so much closer to coach when I was done playing. Um, and I was in broadcasting field and he would pull me aside and talk to me and compliment me. And he recommended me when the new, when the new mountain West conference formed. he, he called the new conference commissioner and said, this guy ought to be on that package. Um, he seems like he's had a hand in a lot of people's careers, and I'm certain he's had, he's touched yours at some point. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, coach would do anything for you as long as you put the time and effort into it. And 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 he was one of those. Uh, you were one of his guys. He would he would make sure that he would recommend you for any job. I remember him reaching out to, to coach Leitz a few times, and it never really worked out. But he would always he would always be one of the coaches that I'd have as a reference, and everybody would reach out to him, and he would always give you. Um, Uh, a nod of approval and making sure that at least he put yourself out there and now it was your turn to make sure to see if you were ready to go take that job. But it was always one of those things where he always, you you could call him at any time and he would always pick up and you always knew that he always had your back. And he he was such a loving role model too at the same time. Hardly ever did you go in his office and talk about football. You talked about everything else. And he'd always have, whether it be (laughs) <laughs> the spirit of discernment, but he'd always knew when you were like, when you were having a really, really tough time, He'd, hey, you'd be walking by his door, hey, Justin, and you're like, oh no. And you walk in there, and then he has that automatic shut the door. Then That's you're right. Like, oh no, <laughs> it's going to go a little deep, which was awesome because, again, it was one of those things where he felt like you were having a, a conversation with, with your grandfather, but it was just, but you never wanted to let him down, but you could never... He, he was just—he was just such an amazing man. So again, when when you went to the funeral, you could see how much lives he touched, yeah. and how much he truly cared about. He would never forget anybody that played for him—not a—not one—not
1: a walk-on. Like he remembered it, everybody, everyone. Yeah, it was amazing. Special man. Amazing, amazing. Well, fa-
0: fast forward now to 2023. Um, how does today's
2: Kalani Sitaki measure up with the Kalani you played with? he he does such a good job i'm telling you it's sometimes it's almost uncanny like we'll have these we had a staff meeting today and again we wanted to make sure that we we understand that as coaches we we have to change and we have to evolve because if you're coaching the same way that you coached 20 years ago the the kid is so different and so we have to evolve or 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 we get thrown up by the by the wayside because we understand that again, it's all about the kid making sure that he knows that he's loved. Now we have the Nil deals we have the transfer portal so when you get him here you're still recruiting them but you want to make sure that these kids still want to be pushed hard they they want to be held accountable now sometimes they might not act like it, but they understand if they want to become the very best that they can be, you've got to push them a little bit and these kids here at BYU are even they're 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 excellent kids they they want to be role models they understand. You sign the honor code. You understand why you're here at BYU. And to be around these type of athletes, um, you can push them a little bit harder because they want it more. And I think they understand the big picture that other places, I mean, kids just want to have fun and enjoy themselves. These, these kids understand that there's a whole future in front of them and not just football, but academically. And then understanding like, hey, how am I going mis- to set myself for, for success after football's over? Because football will end it sometime.
1: It was interesting. I, a couple of things I picked out of that what you just said, Justin. Um, you, you mentioned there's a couple of universal things. You said they still want to know that you love them, um, right? Yeah. Um, they still want discipline, and they want you to push them. So that hasn't changed from when I played, you know, 40 years ago, and you played 20 years ago, and the kids are playing again. So that hasn't changed. But the methods of how you convey that to them changed. have changed dramatically. So the core is still. What you're trying to accomplish with them, to get them to know that you care about them so you can push them and give them discipline and all that, that's the universal core. But you got to go about it in such different ways. And I know Kalani has introduced some different teaching methods in the last couple of years that he's garnered that yeah. they're way different than the way we did things. Yeah. Like, um, And I don't know if you can address some of those, but I, one that I was thinking of is, you know, we used to sit down and just watch every single solitary bit of film together. Like, he, he doesn't do that, right?
2: No, not at all. And and you know what he does? A lot of the times you have these sing-alongs where you're just in there and um, he's like, hey, it gets a popular song and you have 110 guys in there and you're singing it like to the top of your lungs. He wants everybody singing or if you're not singing, then he's going to point you out and say, hey, start singing. But it's like, it's awesome. Like the energy and the spirit that you feel and it can be any song. And you're just like, this is fun because football should be fun. Right. It's one of those things where, again, these kids, they want to make sure that, they're having fun, but we want to have fun too as coaches because you get the very most out of kids when they enjoy what they're doing.
1: I can't, We think about, Dave, think about some of the um, players that we've watched, the great players. In basketball, Fred out on the floor. Dave and I always used to comment when we were calling games. He just looks like he's having a blast out there, right? The guys that perform at a high, high level, they're having a great time out there, aren't they? Yeah. So pretty good stuff.
0: It's interesting too that, the guys who work the hardest make it look like it's the easiest and that they're having the most fun. Everyone goes, I want to just be like Kyle Van Noy all the time. But they don't know Kyle Van Noy's work ethic. Uh, so when he's on the football field, he's he can freelance and 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 have a blast, but it's the the guys who make it look easy are the guys who work the hardest
2: aren't they yep Uh, the payout is on saturday and sunday it really is sunday for the nfl guys saturday for for the for the college guys you have to put the time and effort into it and again that's the one thing that's cool about it too when you demand discipline and accountability you're gonna see these sometimes these kids are like man this kind of sucks it's kind of hard but when they see it pay out on saturday guess what they're the first ones in there making sure, hey, it worked last time. I'm going to listen to Coach again because he wants the very best for me. And I want the very best for us because I also want to make sure that we get get the wins. But the payout is cool because once they understand that, the kids are they're they're bought in even more than than I was or maybe you were because they understand, hey, the proof is in the pudding. It's going to work. And I'm going to believe Coach.
1: You know, you you mentioned that you got guys like Bywater and, and Max Tooley. Um Hey, every kid that comes into program now, now especially in the Big 12, they want to play in the NFL, right? That's, that's the ultimate goal. I wanted to when I came. You wanted to when you came. Um, you did a better job at it than I did. You spent six seasons in, in the league and played in 51 games. How valuable is that for you to have that in your back pocket, that experience of playing in the NFL, and you've coached players that have been successful in the NFL when you're trying to get these young guys attention to come play and then get their attention to do what you're asking them to do?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I, it does help credibility. You, you kind of have instant credibility, but at the same time that it's kind of how you do it too, as well. Like I had to do it the hard way. I was a free agent coming out. Um, you're you're battling, they want to, they're, they're trying to cut you right. Well, they're trying to keep all their, uh, their their draft picks, and they had a fifth-round draft pick from Notre Dame. There was a linebacker, and, and they kept an undrafted free agent, and they cut him and put him on the practice squad, and that was with Coach Reed. But it was one of those things where you learn how to fight, and you learn you, nothing's given to you, and it shouldn't be given to you. But if you, if you put the, the time and effort and, and you have your work ethic, um, you can get whatever you want. Um, of course, you you got to have the genetics. You got to be big, fast, and strong. That's just how the NFL is. But making sure that you're understanding the playbook, you're you're being very attentive, especially for special teams, because that's what I primarily did my career when I was there, is special teams. And uh, John Harbaugh was my special teams coach in Philly. So yeah, <laughs> I've there you some go. Some really good ones. Sean McDermott was my assistant linebacker coach. My linebacker coach was Ron Rivera. So there was a lot, some, lot of head guys in the yeah, NFL yeah, that have, have all, great, great, all great men. too. Yeah. Yeah, Andy. Andy,
1: put we Grace, today
0: some... we Grace coming up here in just a couple of minutes? Before Blaine hits you up with five quick questions, uh, Justin, one last one last question um, with your with your wife Shari, who has had a lifetime of hearing challenges, and all that she's had to fight through and, and overcome. Um, how inspiring has she been to you? And how does that make you a better football coach?
2: She is absolutely amazing. And if you know Shari personally, you're going to know that she is the most loving, uh, empathetic person I've ever been around. And, again, for her to be a college basketball player at UVSC and at Westminster and do it while she was deaf, I mean, it was – she she truly is amazing. We got married about a year and a half ago, and uh, she's been such a good light in my life. But it's one of those things where I just want to be a better man every time I'm around her because she's she's so special. And so it's uh, she wants she she's a probably a, a bigger um, sports fan than I am. So <laughs> she loves football, basketball. <laughs> it's awesome. I go to all these basketball games now and 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 volleyball games here at BYU because. She's like, hey, let's go. And I'm like, all right, let's go. So it's, it's, it's awesome.
1: Is, honestly, is there, a, is there a better compliment than somebody could give their spouse than they make me want to be a better man whenever I'm around them? I don't know if there's a better compliment you could ever give to a no. wife. So that's pretty awesome. Yep. Pretty awesome. Well, we, uh, we always end, uh, Justin, with five questions for all our guests. And you're just supposed to answer them as soon as we hit you with them. Don't even think about it. Just the first thing that comes to your mind. And this lets everybody get to know you a little bit Kay. as we ask you these. So here we go. You ready for this? Dave, you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm okay, here, here we go. Favorite sports movie, uh, Rudy. Okay, that's a pretty popular one, and I love it. Do you know that Gavin doesn't? He doesn't love it. I was going to say Rocky, but Rudy's good too. He, so. he Gavin thinks that Remember the Titans is like, oh so, wow, yeah, he thinks that's the best one. Ever. I like it too, but Rudy, I love. Um, favorite singer or band? Um, wow.
2: Uh, that is. I was going to say Oasis.
1: Oasis? What's what's the best Oasis song? I'm trying
2: to think. You know what? I'm going to change my mind. Weezer. Okay. Weezer.
1: Weezer. Oh Weezer. my gosh! I, that's
2: I, a blast from the past. I don't past. know if that's an improvement from that's Seattle. That's a blast from the past. That's like Seattle grunge
3: rock.
1: Weezer. Ninety six. That's when I graduated. Oh my gosh! All the I, I I'm I'm love it. No, that's great. I'm going to Seattle tomorrow. I'll <laughs> yeah. think of you yeah. as I'm flying. Weezer. song. Weezer. Another Seattle grunge. That's rock our goes. first. That's our first Weezer. By the way, that is the first our Weezer. That's awesome though. So, favorite breakfast cereal? Oh, life. Cinnamon life. Hey, you know what? I got a whole bin of it um, at my house. That's uh, what I eat a lot. Where got a bin? has a bin? Brenda, Brenda brings the boxes home. And for some reason, the boxes don't keep it fresh enough. I don't know what's going on with this. So, we have these, like, <laughs> plastic bins that have Smart. sealed lids. And she empties the box into the plastic bins. And All right. I, when I think we started doing this is when, when Danny Plater used to come to our house every Sunday <laughs> to eat cereal. He'd make his rounds. He'd come to our house. And he would start rummaging through the boxes, and Brennan's like, "Danny needs to have his own bin," and so we we got Danny a bin for his Understood. for his Apple Jacks. Oh. So, and he in right. that went after, and then we got bins for everything because I thought that was a great idea. I, so there you go. I like go. it. So, favorite breakfast cereal, Cinnamon Life, which I am on board with. Your favorite BYU moment? And It doesn't have to be on the football field. Any moment at BYU that stands out as your favorite moment.
2: This is a shout out to. Gennaro guilford for that pick and oh, the utah game in 2001
1: i love that we haven't had g on. we haven't had we need to bring Gennaro on you need to we I, will. I didn't think about that we'll what get, a great we'll, play, we'll play that was people don't amazing. realize the were
0: already in field goal
1: range. they were yeah that was huge that was huge that's and and the the crowd just went dead right it was awesome that's the greatest feeling in the world, right? It was so amazing. Let me, tell you,
0: let me tell you where I was that night. I was here in Vegas at Mandalay Bay ahead of the Lennox Lewis-Hasim Rahman fight, and the BYU game was on in the media room, and we were watching that finish before we went out to watch this fight. And uh, what I couldn't believe, Staley ran 30 yards untouched on that option play. The Utes had 11 guys on the field, and then the way they marched down the field, you just like, We've been in so many of these. And then Guilford steps in front of that. Oh, and big time. That was it. That
1: was it. Hey, uh, uh, Britt, Britt Barrett, one of our followers, is like, favorite band? Kalani and the Satakis is what he says. <laughs> 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 That's a good one. So, okay. And then last one, because this is going to be our guest next week. Your favorite thing about Sioni Pua
2: just the best human being you'll ever be around especially as a football coach i mean he's i know he's in the state presidency the guy is i've been i've coached 2 years with him at university of utah and uh, you won't find a better guy that loves his players and and understands uh the scheme of how coach hill will want it and i mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you his d-line as a backer coach i love him the way he does he occupies
1: all these blocks and allows backers just to flow and play fast yeah he's at I've, I've been talking, when, t- when I, people know, I think know when I'm talking about Gavin, my youngest son coaches and works with, with, uh, with Justin, um, a bunch. And, uh, he says, you guys have been lifting together. Yeah. So here's the, all I ask though. Don't let him know too many secrets. I can't have him getting bigger arms than me. <laughs> I mean, dad he's has He's looking really have, good, like, really, really good. Kellen's gotten kind of jacked now. And I'm like, is he close? I'm like, no. Kellen, like the boys cannot pass me. Don't let him do it. Don't, whatever you do. Hey, he's doing the players. Justin, once
0: they start wearing. Once they start wearing boys, small t-shirts to make them look bigger, then they'll know that they're competing head to head with my partner right
2: there. <laughs> oh, that is funny.
1: Hey, Dave, guys, like Dave, is good. Dave could just kill me because it's like we've been married for 30 something years now, because that's how long we've been doing this together. Oh, I love it. So, but no, I hey, I appreciate you taking care of my boy. He loved lifting with you and he's loved awesome. working with you. So
2: he's, he's a great coach, by the way, a really good, a great
1: coach. Oh, I appreciate that. He's, he is sure um, um, had a great experience with with Kalani and everybody there that he just soaks it up, comes home and talks to me about all the things that he's learned every day. It's, isn't it nice to have a job? And he said this to me, and I'm like, oh, man. honestly, and, and, and I'm sure this is the same for you, Justin. This is, this is how, what you have to be to be a coach. And, yeah, there's some money in it once you get established, right? But, um, you know, Gavin's older brothers, you know Kellen and Landon, yes. and, and they – you know, they've been off in business and doing really, really well. And, and everybody's like, like, what? why do you not want to go do what your brothers do? Like, you know, wallow around and like, you just have to scrape and scratch. And he's like, you know what? I get, a, I go to come out of the office at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, go home. No, I've got to be back at the office at 6, 30, seven o'clock in the morning. And I can't wait to get to bed so I can get back up and go back in in the morning. And then we all looked at him like, then that's what you need to do. Yep. If you love it that much, right? And don't you almost have to love it that much to be a coach?
2: You really do. It's, it's the satisfaction of helping young men. That's one thing I think what, when there's some guys that want to be the NFL, right? And then it becomes X's and O's and scheme, but there's that character building that, that, and you're molding these young men to be as good as they can be, not only on the football field, but, but in life. And right now you're scoping a kid that's 18 to 23 years old and you're doing all you can to, to help him become successful. And, and that's where you get that satisfaction. You go to bed, Putting your head on the pillow and saying, "Hey, I did something good for the day."
1: That's 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 a great job when you're doing that. Yep. When you're when you're helping young men become grown men. Yep. And and at the same time having some fun gotcha. and winning some games and moving into the Big Twelve. Justin, we're so glad to have you in with us tonight. We're grateful you take the time to drive up to our secret studio that nobody knows other than the guests that come here. It's kind of in a secret place. It. It's huh? awesome. Yeah, and and uh, Jack Hadley built this whole thing for us here in this pr- in this really cool place. Um, we could do this every hey, Tuesday night, which we love.
0: Justin, look up there on the logos on the wall. Which team do you want to be the most?
1: Yeah, there you go. You know, I, I'm looking at TCU, and that looks
2: uh, really good. I'd I'd like to take take it to the the Horn Frogs for sure.
1: Oh yeah, I like that idea too. That sounds good to me. We don't have Texas and Oklahoma here. We play them both next week next year. So why don't we we won't put those up because they're out after next yep. year. But Let's take it to them this year too. That would definitely. Be I agree. So, all right, the great Justin Anna, uh, linebackers coach at, at BYU, back home where he belongs with the BYU Cougars. Thanks for thanks for coming in with us, Justin. Appreciate we appreciate it. Thank it you so
2: much. much, Dave. Thank you so much.
1: Glad to have you. Yep. And it's not snowing. Now go yet. back to the gym. Not you snowing can lift,
0: yet. Lift up a few more weights.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't let Gavin pass me. Whatever you do. So, thanks, Justin. It's a great.
0: Thank Great, Justin. And it's so nice to have him back. And, yeah. and, you know, he's going to, I like the, he uses the word violent. I, I think we're going to see some serious linebacker
1: collisions, wow, which um, we, we've been missing. And I like the word, I like one of the words that, that Justin used. I said, he max likes to strike people, which yeah. is another way for hit, but not just hit. When you strike somebody, you drive all the way through them. That's like hit with violence. And, yeah, so that'd be really fun to have that element in the defense, right? So, hey, Devin, right. I'm gonna check with DJ here. Do we have Dewey ready to go? So, he is good, yeah. so Dewey Dewey is ready to go. Um, and 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 let, let me introduce Pastor Derwin Gray, one one of my good friends. Our next pastor, uh, pastor of his own church, an author. I'm pretty sure he sings. He holds the school record with three interceptions in the same game, one of which he returned for a touchdown. All of which came at the expense of New Mexico. It's a well. It's 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 my pleasure and Dave's pleasure to welcome our friend, great friend of this show, who proudly wore the number five in Provo, Doctor Derwin Gray Dewey. Thanks so much for being back with us.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. It's always good to see you guys. And. Uh, I mean, Blaine, you, you look like you could still
1: play, man. <laughs> we were just teased. I don't know if you got to hear the end of that. So, with Justin on with us, did you get to listen to any of that? Do we with Justin and Anna on with us? I I did not. I was uh,
3: I was with my adult children working through adult children life issues.
1: Oh well, <laughs> hey, we all do a little bit of that too. But but no, Justin's you know our new linebackers coach. You remember Justin when he played played I do. Played, played in the NFL? Um, so we were talking to him about the fact that my youngest son Gavin's coaching and he and Justin lift together every day. And I told him, please, whatever you do, do not get him. So his arms are bigger than mine because I cannot bear that. That's all I it's ask. Gonna, it's, it's going to happen. I know it's not good though. And mine are going to just keep getting smaller. Do we, I don't know what to do. I'm just getting old brother. It's not you good. Know, you
3: know, you, you know, it's, it's, it's like we, we can't physically be what we used to be, but we're still a ver- a better version of who we're meant to be.
1: Yeah, and I, I love that. I love that. I'm, that's how I'm gonna take it. As my body declines, I'm gonna just remember the, what you just said, and it'll make <laughs> me feel better.
0: Dewey's live in South Carolina. I'm live in Vegas. Blaine's live in Provo as we span the globe here tonight. And Dewey, I, I believe, um, you're the first BYU football player who, once football was over, went and started his own church, the Transformation Church in Lancaster County, South Carolina. It's an incredible story in and of itself. What compelled you to do that? Oh gosh, man,
3: Blaine. So, so Blaine knows me from back in Provo when I was a compulsive stutterer. I was not a religious person. Football was my everything. And so my wife and I laugh all all the time because both of us went to BYU primarily for school and sports. She was on the track team. Neither one of us were people of faith. I mean, we've always respected the LDS community, but it was like, you know, hey, we're we're just here to go to school. We're here to play. Um, But in our late 20s, uh, we both had an encounter with Christ that just it, it just upended everything. Um, it, it just transformed everything. And so the love of God, the grace of God just overwhelmed us. And I had this overwhelming desire to, to like, let everybody know. I'm like, do you guys know about this About this Jesus? Like, like y'all really know about what he's accomplished? And so from that, uh, people began to ask me to speak. And as I would travel and speak, um, we saw a lot of good things, but then some of the negative things we saw was Either I would go speak at a church that was all black or a church that was all white. And as I read the New Testament, I saw a multi-ethnic church with people that were Jews and people that were Gentiles. And to be a Jewish person had nothing to do with your color of your skin. It was the religious practices. And a Gentile literally means everybody else. And so these early churches not only had the forgiveness of sins, but they became a family with different colored skins. So being a person who didn't have much of a church background, I began to ask uh, Protestant pastors, uh, LDS people, anybody I could ask, like, why is the church so divided? And I always got like these terrible answers. And so I sensed God saying, well, you can criticize or you can create. And so that's what led us to start Transformation Church. And it was on Super Bowl Sunday, February 7, 2010, that we started. And so 13 years later, uh, we probably averaged close to 13,000 people per week, weekend, both online and in the seats. And it's really been incredible to see this diverse community come together where Jesus and his grace. Is the glue that holds us together? Um, because what happens in the seats should go out into the streets, and so we've been able to do just some incredible things working with the police. Uh, we paid uh, four million dollars worth of medical debt. Um, we do things internationally, locally. So I'm just I'm just grateful. They they haven't figured out that I'm not really a pastor yet. I'm a football coach disguised as a pastor.
1: And they're like the football team, and life is the game. Yeah, you know it. It's just such an incredible story, Dewey. Just, I want to take you back to what you first said because you said Blaine remembers me when I was here, and I was just, you know, a stuttering guy that just wanted to play football. But, but I, like I'm not not going to let that just sit there because. Um, cause you were way more than that then. And even though maybe you were a little slower of speech at that time, when you would give you a hug or you would be around you, you saw that light in you, which I would say was the light of Christ, um, that was in you. So you're who you always were right now. Just these wonderful experiences that you've had throughout your life, the people you've come in contact with, your relationship with the savior, have brought out who you always were, who I always knew you were. I could feel that light with you when I was around you way back when you were in school. No doubt. I'm sure glad you, 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 did. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, you, you can feel a a greatness in people. I wanted to ask you about, I wanted to ask you about um, one person in your life that I read about uh, that Dave and I were were interested in um, someone that had was a big part of this change. um, A guy that, that you termed the Naked Preacher, Steve Grant. Tell us a little bit about the Naked Preacher, Steve Grant, because I think this is a phenomenal story.
3: Oh, man. Okay, so, so Steve Grant got to the Colts in 1992. I got there in 1993. Steve was an eighth-round draft pick out of West Virginia. He grew up in Miami, went to West Virginia, had a great career, got drafted. I get drafted to the Colts. And a couple of days go go by, we're in training camp, and I noticed this guy, he's taking a shower, dries off, put a towel around his waist, and then he gets his Bible. And he's literally asking teammates, do you know Jesus? So, so you know, like LDS missionaries, you know, you get on bikes, you got the, you know, the white shirts and the ties. This dude had a white towel and a Bible. And so I'm kind of like, this is a little strange and so I asked my teammates, I'm like, what's up with the half-naked black dude walking around talking about, do you know Jesus? And they said, don't pay him any attention. That's the naked preacher. So his real name was Steve Grant, but his nickname was the naked preacher. And like he like he wasn't annoying. He wasn't forceful. Uh, he just allowed it to take place. And, and one day after practice, he asked me, he said, do you know Jesus? And that began a five-year conversation In which um, making it to the NFL, money, the girl, um, it didn't heal the parts of me deepest that needed to be healed. I needed forgiveness. Um, I needed to get over my abandonment issues, my rejection issues, and whatever's in you is going to come out of you. So if you don't truly love yourself, you're not going to be able to love other people. If you're insecure with yourself, you're going to be insecure with other people. So even though playing in the, in the NFL always live with, well, who would I be when I got done playing? And so over a five-year period, as he shared the gospel with me, um, as I came to some existential conclusions, like number one, I made a promise to my wife's father that I would love her and honor her. And I'm like, I'm not doing a good job of this and I don't know how. And so it's like the savior's love taught me how to love. And so, yeah, the naked preacher, and and, and then here's some other things that people don't know. And I think it's really important is that dude was a heck of a football player. Like he wasn't an athletic freak. Um, What made him good, is he was relentless, he was disciplined, and his technique was flawless. Uh, interesting story, so we're playing the Buffalo Bills. This is like 95, and back then, you know, everybody runs tempo now. Well, the Buffalo Bills ran that in the early 90s, late, you know, so they're running plays, and so Steve's job was to make the call on the defense. So they're, they're churning down the field. This guy, before he makes the call, lifts up his helmet, vomits, puts his helmet down, calls the defense, and then makes the tackle on the next play. And I'm like, listen, I don't know who this Jesus is, the way you know him, but if he helps you to do that, I want to have that kind of courage too. Because that was one of the most courageous things I had ever seen. And I still remember it all these years later almost 30 years later to go man that guy like he was a loving follower of
0: Christ but on the football field he meant business so your relationship with the naked preacher leads up to August 2nd 1997 that yeah. you've written about as a key day in your life what happened
3: yeah so um, I was, uh, we were in training camp, Anderson, in Indiana, my fifth year with the Colts. And so it's training camp. It's right after lunchtime. And as I'm walking back from the cafeteria, I'm all by myself. And I just sensed this incredible void. The best way I can describe it is like a Grand Canyon-sized void in my soul. So I get to my dorm room. And uh, guys, this, this is back in the day when phones were still connected to the wall and you had to go to dial them. So I called my wife and I said, I want to be more committed to you. And I want to be committed to Jesus. And we were both silent. It was, it was like a holy silence. Like we knew something happened, but we didn't know what had happened. And when I got off the phone with her, I just, I just cried. And for three nights before bed, like, I literally would just cry with the thought of, wow, he loves me. Like for the first time in my life, it's not about my 40 yard dash time. It's not about my game film. It's not about how good I am. It's not about, are you worthy? It's like for the first time someone goes, you're a sinner but I love you anyway. And my love is going to change you. And that just blew me away because I had never experienced like unconditional grace that way. It, it, it was like, you don't have to change. Come to me and I'm going to change you. And uh, I haven't gotten over that since. I, I just haven't gotten over that. I never want to get over that so august 2nd 1997 is i call it kind of like my spiritual birthday when i was
0: awakened to the love of god that's great dr dewey gray pastor former byu football player on the YS guys tonight live on facebook youtube twitch and ysguys.com it's an honor to have you hang out with us a bit
1: yeah hey, hey Dewey, i read where you described yourself you mentioned it just a bit ago is a spiritual football coach. You've used that phrase a couple of times. You might've said that the last time you were on with us. Yes. What, 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 what does that mean? You're a spiritual okay. football coach. What does that mean? Oh, okay. So,
3: so, so, so I believe God is so amazing. He doesn't waste anything. And for some reason, particularly in high school and in college, he's allowed me to be coached by hall of fame coaches. So at Converse Judson High School, right outside of San Antonio, my high school coach is a Texas high school legend, D.W. Rutledge. That man and his staff taught me this, the power of vision. Vision is a picture of the future that is so glorious that it drags you in the present to go get it, right? So he taught us how to see where we could be through hard work, discipline, execution, service, love. Coach Rutledge never talked about winning games. We never talked about winning games. We talked about the things that it takes to become a great man. And the cherry on top is, you're maybe good at football as well. My senior year, 10 of the 11 starters played college football, and three of us played in the NFL. I mean, we were really, really good. Now, when I get to BYU, and I still remember when Coach Edwards came to Judson, my high high school, to to recruit me, man. It was like my high school coach was like sitting down like he was a kid. Of course, now that I look back, he was only in his late 30s, so that is a kid. And so Coach Edwards was there. It was just amazing. And uh, so I get to BYU. And as I started to figure things out, I see the genius of Coach Edwards. Number one, Coach Edwards surrounded himself with incredible coaches. He empowered them to do their jobs. Coach Edwards taught me, get great, smart people around you, resource them, equip them, encourage them, celebrate them. So as a pastor, it's vision. Jesus had the greatest vision there is. Love God, love your neighbors, love yourself. Go make disciples of all nations. Jesus communicates in the church. It's not just about one person. It's about building other people. And so it's celebrating them, resourcing them, encouraging them, giving them the freedom to make mistakes. But then something else that Coach Edwards did that was utterly... Um, genius. Coach Edwards knew, okay, I'm probably not going to have the talent to beat the University of Miami 10 out of 10 times, but I can develop a game plan to beat them that one time. The University of Miami was much better than us. And in 1990, that BYU team could have been one of the greatest ever. I mean, we were loaded but we still didn't compare to to, my, to Miami, but the capacity of our game plan, how we schemed. Like the stuff that you see people doing now, like when I watch the Chiefs play, I see so much of BYU's West Coast offense. I see so many of the, the same schemes and patterns and um, even draw trap and those types of things. And, and, and so Coach Edwards was a genius in developing strategy and how to beat a more talented team.
1: You know, it, it's fun to watch the Chiefs because I see the X's and O's out there. Do we? like you see Andy's taking a lot of those things we saw with Mike Holmgren when he went to, to San Francisco and to the Packers and to Seattle. And now Andy's taking it to Philadelphia and to Kansas City. What about Andy's coaching style, though? You you see him in interviews and I don't know how close you stay to him, but. How much do you think of the way Lavelle did things? You described Lavelle surrounding himself with great people and empowering people and all that. How much do you think of of Lavelle's style has influenced Andy to the greatness that he's seen in professional coaching?
3: Oh yeah, there is no Coach Reed without him uh, being incubated in the womb of BYU football. Uh, I think it was a few years ago. Uh, someone said on fourth and one and coach Reed threw like a pass and they were like, why did you pass? He goes, I'm from BYU. Every down is a passing down, you know? And so um, I don't know coach Reed personally, but I know his players love him just as we loved coach Edwards. Coach Edwards had the capacity to be able to be serious and have you equipped but to speak to you like a dad. People don't understand how funny coach Edwards was. The man was hilarious. Like the scowl he has, that is a, the ultimate poker face. Cause he was hilarious. Oh,
1: he oh, would, he would say some funny stuff, wouldn't he? And he had that kind of dry and he would say it. And then everyone on the whole team would just bust up. Right.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He was, He was remarkable. And and so when I talk about I'm a pastor, but I'm really a coach, it's like God is the owner of the team. I'm the head coach. I've got coordinators, which is staff. The team is you go play the game. And I'm kind of like a player coach as well. But it's basically equipping people to become the best version of themselves in the gospel, not just for themselves, but to go into the world and to serve the world. And there's no greater there's
0: no greater thing than to introduce someone to Jesus. Dewey's got a new book out we're gonna talk about in just a couple of minutes that's right on spot with that. Uh, but let's talk about your football for a moment. Let's go old school. What are you most proud of? Three picks against New Mexico or 19 tackles against Penn State the next year. 19 oh,
3: tackles?
1: What?
0: Yeah, that okay. First of all. If you get
3: 19 tackles in a game, which, by the way, I think it was actually 23, but that's okay. Who's counting? Who remembers? And Let's so, remind yeah. people
1: that Dewey played free safety and had yeah, 19 I was, tackles uh, or 23. I, I was a safety, yeah.
3: Penn State had their way with us, and I was making a lot of game-ending touchdowns uh, or game-saving tackles, but they overpopped. Powered us. So when I got the three picks against New Mexico, 1990, the backstory to that is coach felt got sick with some heart issues. So in spring ball, Tom Homo was the coach and he told me and I knew, knew and the other guys knew it. I won the starting free safety job. Uh, but coach felt came back and I think he, he, he had some loyalty to the upperclassmen. So I didn't complain. I got to work. So I won DB of the game and special teams player of the game three games in a row, not starting. So finally, they had to start me. I didn't threaten to transfer, get in the transfer portal. It was like every day at practice, I'm going to make it so hard on you, coach, you're going to have to eventually start me. So the first game I start, I get three picks in two and a half quarters, because I got one early in the third and they took me out for the for the rest of the game. But that's not my most meaningful play at BYU. My most meaningful play at BYU is this. It's late in the fourth quarter against Miami. I'm a sophomore. I'm in on the nickel package. And I line up outside of the DN and I come in on a blitz and I am just Flying, I'm jumping in the air, the tackle picks me up and and throws me, the ball's thrown, Irvin Lee breaks up the pass. And the first person to pick him up in celebration was me. I have no idea how I got from blitzing the quarterback to picking up Irvin Lee and celebrating him. To me, that's my greatest play at BYU because I have no idea how I could do that, but <laughs> I did it celebrating a teammate. That, I'll that, never finish that play. That's awesome. Might have been your fastest time in the 40, uh, known to man. If I would have ran that fast for the college for for the NFL scouts, I probably would have went in the second round instead yeah, of the ex
1: exa- exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, here's here's a question for you. How important Was your role, and we've had Ty on here, in helping Ty Detmer win the Heisman Trophy? Well, you know, so first of all,
3: (laughs) Ty Detmer is one of those people that he's groomed by his father. I mean, Ty woke up in high school. He didn't eat breakfast first. He threw the ball first. So... You know, so Ty comes to BYU. He's in the West Coast offense. You got Coach Child. You got Coach French. You got Coach Rim. I mean, you it's stacked, right? So I played a part in, in, in that because I was on the team. Uh, but that offensive line, they loved the block for him. Um, Andy Boyce, who ran a four ever in a 40, would just be open all day long. Chris Smith was amazing at tight end. You had the running backs. You had like Matt Bellini, who that sixty what is it sixty nine H option? Oh, I think it was. Oh, that's
1: the play sixty nine H option.
3: Red right sixty nine H. I mean, Bellini was unstoppable. I mean, you had Nyberg. You had you had so many great players, and Ty was just so competitive. And all of us, that was our Heisman. Like that wasn't just ties. Like, that was our Heisman. And uh, it's it's pretty cool to go, you know what? From the same city in San Antonio, I got to play with a Heisman Trophy winner. But that's not my favorite Ty Detmer story, though. And let's hear it. My, My favorite Ty Detmer story is both of us from San Antonio. We're from Texas. So that means we like to fish. And there used to be a golf course in South Provo.
1: I don't yeah. even know if it, 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 it's East Bay now, but it used to be called Timpanogos Golf Course.
3: Okay, yeah. Day. So so behind the golf course was this gnarly river creek thing. And man, we would just slay channel catfish all day long. Cat, like cattails and
1: mossy, just like the South, right? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, we,
3: we, we were just slaying them. And so I actually have a picture of us that my wife and I lived in Wymount Terrace. We came to Wymount t- Terrace. I kept the catfish. My, my wife's like, you ain't keeping those here. So we actually took them back
1: and they still live. Oh, you can't kill a catfish. You can't kill a catfish.
3: Yeah, it was it was, it was amazing. Hey, it was Matt,
1: Matt's Bellini's older brother, Mark, and I, shirt the same year. We'd go fishing up in the mountains every Friday when we didn't have to go to practice. And we'd bring the trout home to our apartment This I was married. And he fancied himself a chef. So he would start filleting them up and flour everywhere and spices <laughs> everywhere and butter everywhere. And that went on for uh-huh. a couple of weeks and then Brenda forbid it. She don't bring those fish in here anymore. We, so yeah. we started to do catcher and release after that. but
0: yeah, yeah. Anyway, did you ever play against Ty in high school? No, I did not play
3: against Ty because Southwest where he went was 4A, and at the okay. time, Judson was 5A. So um, we wouldn't have played against uh, each other, d- and I'm glad we did
1: Different classification. Isn't it interesting, Dave? We asked we asked Dewey, and he, he mentally goes, he, he goes, Matt Bellini, 69H option. How many years ago is that? And, and Dewey still remembers the play. Isn't that – isn't that amazing that how football players that have played can remember the play? And, and here, here's the crazy part. 69H option is pro right. So strengths to right, tight end and flanker to right, wide receiver left, split backs. The flanker X or the wide receiver runs a streak. The tight end runs an over route over the top. The the backside Z runs a post cross and the halfback has an option route. He comes out if it's a zone, he just stops in the zone, turns, and Ty throws him the ball. If it's man to man, he goes either in or out. He gets to choose which direction he goes. They give Matt the option and Ty throws him that ball. And that play, Matt Bellini would just run over and over and over again against teams and they could not stop it. Am I right, Dewey? It was
3: it was it was unstoppable. And so in today's iteration of the game, instead of it being two backs, the halfback would be in the slot. Right. So the option route, it's still the exact same concepts. But when coach Edwards was implementing that, that was still the days of like Oklahoma running the wishbone right. or the power option, the veer, like people wasn't doing the West coast, the West coast offense should really be called the Provo offense.
1: Yeah. Tyreek Hill for, for Andy with the chiefs all his years before he went to Miami this year. And I'm trying to think of who they have running that position. Now, it's the exact same play Andy runs yeah. when he isolates the H in the slot and he clears out for him and lets him run an option route and Patrick Mahomes just waits to see what he's going to do and it's like playing catch out there. That, that yeah. play that you see the Chiefs run is the same play that that, it, with that Dewey's describing that they used to run to Matt Bellini back in the day.
3: Yeah, and, and so one of the re- reasons why I know BYU's offense is because I learned early on, okay, if we're going to be in practice, I'm not going to be letting these dudes just shred me up. So I would go and talk to Robbie Bosco about <laughs> teach me the offense. So I remember all the plays. Was it? Six, 61 wide choice and, and I mean, just all these plays. And so here's a little secret. Can I share share what you got? Oh, yeah. Hey, right. by the way,
1: 61 wide choice, they run for Travis Kelsey all day long with the Chiefs too. All the all day. So. so I'm going
3: into my senior year. Uh a lot of people have left. I'm I'm clearly like the captain. And we were scrimmaging in the uh the stadium. And I heard uh I forget who the quarterback was, it might have been John Walsh or Hancock and they said zebra. And so when the Z receiver to the strong side came in motion, I knew Zebra meant he was going to run a corner. And so I run over and I break up the pass. Everybody's going crazy. And I'm like, I knew what we were going to do because I've been game planning our own offense because I'm tired of getting ripped apart out
0: here. <laughs> I
1: love it. I love it.
0: Hey, the Colts draft you in the fourth round in, in the 93 draft. You, you play six seasons in the NFL. Did you have any moments in the pros that you would pick over that night against Miami when the clock went to zero, zero, zero? Yeah.
3: Wow, man. You know, so in 1995, I was a, I was a team captain for special teams and I contributed heavily on nickel. And so we're playing the San Francisco 49ers, they had won the Super Bowl in 94. And obviously, Steve Young's the quarterback. So here's the backstory. When I was at the Y, Steve would come back in an off season and he'd throw us passes and he'd talk to us. And I was always just enamored by Steve Young. And he always encouraged me. Like, I literally have personal notes that he wrote me. So here I am now. I'm a peer now right? Like, okay, like this dude was my idol BYU alum, but I've got to play against him. And Tom Homo is the corners or the DB coach. And Jamal Willis, my college roommate that I helped recruit to BYU is a rookie for him. So you got all this backstory. Well, we're playing them. And I ended up picking off Steve Young to help us go ahead and win the game. And so that's probably to intercept not only a Hall of Fame quarterback, not only a BYU alum, but somebody who would spend time with you to encourage you when you're like a nobody sophomore and he's just encouraging you to to work hard. And then you become his peer to play against him. Did he say anything after the game? So, uh, <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> uh a couple of years in the uh, I think it was like 95 96 uh Steve and I were back in Provo at the same time this is when Shirley Johnson was still alive the football secretary she she was in the coach's office and Steve was in there and I was like hey Steve um I intercepted you know i intercepted you and I kept the game ball will you sign it and he's Started
1: laughing and he just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that, it, it, how, and that's how it is. Think about te- people that watched Tom Brady growing up and then, you know, kids that were little kids when Tom Brady was playing ended up playing with him, which is, which is amazing. And Steve's career ended way too soon because of concussions, but what a great thrill to, to have a chance to play against him. Dave was just going to ask you about, um, The new book, uh, Dewey, we're really excited to hear about this. The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness. Why this book and why right now?
3: Well, you you know, it's it's really interesting. Uh, America is going through a happiness crisis. And what I want to do is I want people to truly find happiness because the kind of happiness that Jesus has for us is so much more than just circumstances are good, feelings are good. It's actually becoming a good person. And so the happiness that we have is connected vertically to who God is internally to who he's making us to be. So therefore, outside stimuli is not what dictates to us what is our barometer of happiness. And I really take people through what's called the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And so I share a lot of my personal story, um, but I am a New Testament um, theologian slash scholar. And so I, I want to take people back to Jesus walking in the the soil of ancient Israel teaching and saying, hey, come and sit down. I want to talk to you about what happiness really is. And it's a happiness that's so much bigger than simply Hey, I got a paycheck. I'm happy, but it's a happiness in which God forms us into a person we never ever thought that that we could be. And so it uh, it was a national bestseller. So I'm sure that some of my teachers at the Y, if they're still there, would be like, Dewey Gray wrote a book. He read a book
0: actually.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, it was all I was in just going to say it
0: was all in there. I was just going to. If your mother. At uh, new at the age of fourteen, and someone came up to her and said, "Dewey's not just going to write one book; he's going to write a whole slew of books." She would say, "Are my Dewey? Are you sure?"
1: <laughs> Dave and I were talking about the fact that the Super Bowl had a couple of commercials. Dewey, I don't know if if you you saw these yeah. about Jesus. They were they were titled um, "He Gets Us." Yeah. Some people complained about him; didn't like him. Dave and I thought yeah. they were pretty good. Um, yeah. Wh- wh- what did you think about those? Yeah. So, you know, what's cool is some of my friends were actually the
3: architects behind that. So I've known about it for several months and I thought they were great because the people that those commercials were trying to reach were not like political ideologues, but actually people who are disenfranchised with church people who try to make Jesus into like a Republican or a Democrat. And so what they wanted to do was reach those people to go, hey, you you know what, why don't you come to this website, he gets us and we want to talk to you about Jesus, not about politics, but like you actually can get to know him. And so I thought it was genius. And one of the ways that you know your commercial was good is is, is if the religious fundamentalists are mad at you, and the liberal progressives are mad at you. So that means you hit the target.
1: Yeah, you're right in the middle. You did great. If they're all mad, right? Yep. <laughs> that's good. that's wisdom right there. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. Um,
0: you know, Super Bowl commercials for 30 seconds or 7 million dollars this year. Um, but when those came on, uh, a little quieter in the room and yep. uh and I thought they really drew you into the idea. And that's exactly
3: what Uh, My friends wanted to do was get people thinking to kind of change the narrative and to say, you know, long before there was a United States of America, Jesus existed. And what I tell people at our church all the time is I I go now think about about it. The Republican Party and Democratic Party haven't been around that long and the church has been around for 2000 years. Ninety-nine point nine percent of people who've ever followed Jesus have not been a Republican or a Democrat, and it's like you can see people going, "Oh, of course politics are important, but they're secondary."
1: Amen to that. Amen to that.
0: All right, let's hit you up with five questions, and you can go to bed. Blaine, you ready? Yeah, do
1: it. Do it. Favorite sports movie? Remember the Titans. See, I'm telling you. We Justin Enna just said Rudy and uh which I love. And then um and we we reminded him about Remember the Titans. Those are two great movies. Favorite singer or band? Favorite singer
3: or band. My favorite singer is probably, man, is probably uh, uh I gotta go Elvis Presley. Man, you are Elvis. going
1: old school, and that's good stuff though. Um favorite- it's right up there with what
0: Lavelle was Say. If he no, was here, Lavelle, say no
1: <laughs> Lavelle would say Dire Straits. He used to listen to Dire Straits <laughs> and Willie Nelson. I'm like, seriously, Willie Nelson, Coach? Come on. So, but but I'm a New York kid, and Willie Nelson was just like, you're just like you're putting fingernails on a chalkboard to me, Coach. So, um, your favorite breakfast cereal? Oh,
0: probably uh, Frosted Flakes. Nice, classic.
1: Guess what? I just had Frosted. classic,
0: dignified delightful every time i
1: want you guys to all know i had a bowl of frosted flakes before i came up here to the studio tonight That's that's, that's a great morning that's a great you do too see that frosted flakes amen to that right there yeah. Fa- <laughs> favorite lavelle edwards memory
3: oh gosh you guys just make me cry man oh my goodness gosh there's so many uh to keep from crying i'll share this one so he took me to a uh, me and eric drage to a booster club um thing uh, going into my senior year. And like, it was August, but it was kind of chilly. And so as he's he's getting ready to talk to the booster club, he says, um, he says, wow, are you cold? If you're not, you should be. And man, everybody just started (laughs) laughing. And that was just kind of just what encapsulized the way Coach Edwards could command the room, but also have the room laughing.
1: He was, he was the best. I would love to go out and speak with coach. Okay. Last one, your favorite moment as pastor of the transformation church.
3: There's been a lot, but the timing of this is beautiful. So this Sunday uh, we had a baptism service. And so at our first baptism, we baptized some folks. And then before our second service, when we started I just had a prompting from the Holy Spirit. And I said, you know, you just saw some people get baptized, but if you wanna be baptized at the end of service, we will baptize you. Of course, we explain what it means. And our second service went over for about an hour because people just kept coming up to be baptized. People in their seventies, children that were eight and nine and 10, teenagers, black, white, Asian, Latino, you know, and it's a picture of what the kingdom of God looks like. All these beautiful different colors brought together by the red blood of Jesus and to be baptized, to go public with your faith, to say, Jesus is my savior and I follow him. And the service wouldn't end and people didn't go home. Like people didn't leave, like people stayed. And at our church, when you're baptized, it's like when you score a touchdown or get a big play on defense, people clap and they cheer. And I sat there and I I went, man, I was told number one in the South, you could never do a multi-ethnic church. They're like, it'll never take place. And I'm like, well, you must not know the God that I serve because he brings people together through Christ.
1: Wow, what a great, great experience! Hey, we're, we're so we we're
0: so. I'd say we 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 worked this interview for three months to get to this night, and uh, it's it's been worth every second. Uh, we're we're just proud of how you represent BYU and uh, the connection that you have in Provo, and and how it uh, it's taken you on a grand adventure of about doing good. Fantastic. So,
1: Thank you. We're so Thank you. so so grateful for you. And hey, please give Vicky our love. Tell her thanks for letting you, you be on loan to us tonight for this much time. And hey, we want we want to remind people the book is the Good Life, what Jesus teaches about finding true happiness, by Dr. Derwin L. Gray. It's available on Amazon, Lifeway, and Christianbook.com. You can also go to theGoodLifeBook.net and find that book. Um, we're so proud of you, we're, and we're really grateful you'd come on with us tonight, Dewey.
0: We are, appreciate you guys, and go Cougs. Hey, which game are you coming to this fall? Uh, that would be a Vicki Gray executive decision,
1: and so whatever <laughs>
3: game she says we're going to, that's the one let, we'll be going let to. Let us know
1: when you come. We'll bring, we'll bring you on our countdown, our game day show. We have a big, huge set that they've built outside the stadium. It's a two-hour lead-in now. Oh, yeah,
0: um, he was with us for Baylor. Remember that's right. That for Baylor. That's yeah. right,
1: you did. Come do it again with us. Let us know when you're coming, and we want you on with us I will. Again. All right,
3: I will. I will. Thank you, guys. Always God, a, a
1: pleasure to, to spend time with you. Thank you, Dewey. Dewey. Thanks so much. See you guys. Bye bye. The great Derwin
0: Gray, member of that Ty Detmer Heisman team, and I, I agree with him that the whole team won the Heisman. Although Ty still had to complete all those passes <laughs> and uh, and made good plays, and you know, I, I was thinking the 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 old mantra of BYU TV was see the good in the world. And, um, as I was listening to Dewey, uh, you just can't help but appreciate that, uh, that, uh, he is part of the good in the world yep. and it's fun to have him on our show and talk
1: about it. Absolutely. It's so fun to hear him talking about that. Um, what he's built is such a diverse, and I, I love this idea of, uh, a church that just, uh, and he's right. Like you think about, it, he grew up in the South, and people tell him you can't build a multi-ethnic church. There's no way possible. And he didn't let that get in the way. He spent his lifetime doing things people said he couldn't do. So pretty cool, and great to have Dewey as part of the BYU family, where we we really are proud of all the things that he's accomplished. That's great stuff. So listen
0: to this guest list we got coming up. Uh, we got Kalen Hall next week. That's Jaron Hall's dad. Yeah, You'll get his insight on See what his getting progress is getting healthy. That's- You're right. Sione Pua will be with us, defensive line coach, be in studio. Kyle Van Noy in March. Michael Minor, Russ Merrill, two pioneers of BYU TV. Chris Hope, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Steelers. Elaine Bradley, the drummer for Neon Tree, is going to be with us. And Max Hall, just days ahead of the alumni game, is going to come on with us to talk trash. And I think we can expect to see him back to try to Defend his title. Absol- uh, Absolutely
1: unconfirmed, but that you know Max is, is going to play again. But but it's it's who the other guys are going to be that's going to be exciting, and we'll announce that when we're able to to announce it. Great great stuff. Let's hit
0: a let's hit a couple of updates on campus, and I've been waiting. Uh, we had Justin Enna and then we had uh, Dewey Gray. Um, basketball teams got San Francisco Saturday night they win that game they might be able to avoid playing on the first day yeah maybe not if play they thursday they they'll probably be on the first day
1: yeah it's it's um, it's crazy to me that that they're cuz right now you know BYU sits at 6 can you believe they're 6 and 9 in conference dave
0: no i I, I, I never thought i'd
1: see the day but but uh so, so they're, they're sitting in 7th right now and and so if if they were 7th they they'd be playing on the first night which they've never done in the history of their being in this league. Now, if they beat San Francisco, they finish seven and nine. There's a chance. There's a chance. There's a three-way tie at seven and nine. Honestly, for fifth between them and San Francisco and Pacific. Um, you know, depend, depending on what happens with those with those two teams. Um, well, they'd have to beat San Francisco, and that that would that would settle settle that right. Um, but. Yeah. But it depends on what Pacific does, whether they go one and one or o, you know or own two. They play at St. Mary's and in, in Portland. That game's a toss-up. If they go oh and you know, it, yeah. It, there's still a possibility they could tie for fifth. I'm not sure how that tiebreaker would work, but they could be anywhere from fifth. Um, if they end up in the fifth or sixth slot based on the tiebreaker, that would put them in the Friday games, um, which would be much better. But if somehow they end up in seventh, if they lose this game, they'll be in seventh and they'll play on. They, they'll end up playing on. Uh, Heck, they could even end up eighth, depending on what Portland does. They're going to play on Thursday. That's not good.
0: So the new AP Top Twenty-five's out. Among the Big Twelve teams, including Houston, Houston's number one. Kansas is number three. Texas is number eight. Baylor's number nine. Kansas State's number fourteen. Iowa State's number twenty-three, and TCU is number twenty-four. What does Mark Pope have to do, in your opinion? I wrote mine again in the Desert News. Yeah, I read it. What? What does he got to do to keep his? Job. Well, I mean, it's almost, they're fifteen and fifteen in the last two years in a subpar league.
1: Yeah, the league they're going into is brutal. Now now the good news is um like you you can finish seventh in that league and go to the NCAA tournament, right? So you schedule yeah. you schedule very winnable games to start your season. So you don't even you know, you go out and schedule a schedule where you can come into league play with a bunch of wins, right? And then um, hey, five hundred in that league is great. If they if this year they were six and nine in the Big Twelve, I'd be just fine with that, right? Problem is they wouldn't be six and nine in that league. They'd probably be in last place in that league. Yeah. So what do they need to do? He needs a couple, he's gotta go out and get some players. And and he's gonna have to go to the transfer portal um this season again. Um I, I feel like they need a big big, like a six ten to seven. Everybody in the Big Twelve has a seven-footer or a 250 hundred and fifty-pound guy. And BYU just doesn't have noticed,
0: depth. Have, have you noticed every team in the WCC yeah. has a 6'10, 6'11 center? I mean, St. Mary's is bringing a 7'2 guy off the bench.
1: Yeah. And we're rolling out a Tiki and Foose. It's not even fair to those guys. No, and Foose should be playing the four. So they need to beef up at the five, get some big dudes, even if they have to go international or get in the transfer portal. Um, and they, and they, so they've got to improve there. And then uh, on the guard line, those guys just need to grow up. I mean, they're playing a bunch of young guys. They have a chance to be decent. I think Dallin Hall has a chance to be really good in the big 12. Um, I think Richie Saunders is going to play the wing has a chance to be really good. Um, I think Toulson who got back last from his missions, you know, just, I think he can shoot lights out, but, but those guys are just going to have to get some experience, but I think you still have to bring in a wing out of the transfer portal. So I think it's going to be a big transfer portal year again, Dave, I really do.
0: You know, and, and the, the portal hasn't worked out for the last two seasons. Um, and you're rolling the dice. And now you you got, got a coach and a staff. I kind of I presented the theme in the paper that it's gotta call up Kalani and do what Kalani did. Kalani changed his philosophy. You know, he felt he had to change his defensive staff and he changed out everybody but Gennaro Guilford. I'm not saying coach I'm not saying Pope has to do that, but the emphasis has to be changed because it's not working. And and the and, and, and optimism was restored in football off an 8-5 and five season to where we celebrated the Big 12 schedule, which is ominous. So if Cougar Nation will see you do just a few things to, to become better or show that you're willing to change to become better, the fans are all in. And they'll celebrate the Big 12 basketball schedule coming up because it's going to be awesome. But I think Mark's in a very delicate spot because not – Only is the talent of the level of competition going up next year, the ticket prices are going up next year. And there's two groups you've got to appease the competition and the people buying the tickets. And the people buying the tickets want to see that you got vision to take them where they want to go against the competition. And it's just all right here for Mark Pope. I just think these next few months are so important. Um, with what he wants to do, I think he can do it. Um, but what do you think? Will he? Do you think he'll? Will he call Kalani and go, "Hey, I need to borrow a page to play out of your playbook"?
1: <laughs> no, I, I I don't know. I didn't I do not even know how much Kalani and in and, uh, and Mark talk, but but I but I do know. And thanks, DJ, for bringing me. Yeah, I I'm just having a cough attack, so thanks for covering me, Dave. Yeah, live Welcome. I was watching. I, well, it, when, I we're, I just well, keep when we're live streaming. no, we were talking about it when I came in, and you're you're down in Vegas, but you know, I had COVID all the way back at Christmas time, and I still have this stupid residual cough stuck in my in my uh, throat that is just killing me. Every once in a while, it gets scratchy down there when we're talking for two hours, and and then my guy Dave covers for me, so I appreciate it, but. Yeah, I, I don't know that he and Kalani talked that much. Remember, he did do a fundamental change in the defensive philosophy from what they had run the previous years till this year, and it, and it made a market marketable difference. They're much better defensive basketball team this year. That's why they're in games. But but what happened is at the same time their defense um, m- improved dramatically. Offensively, they they've really come. To, to a place that they haven't been. They've always been a really gifted offensive team. I do think part of that is youth. I was looking back at the, in these last couple of losses and the difference between BYU and who they're playing. Let's just take St. Mary's as a, as a for instance. When the game is on the line and BYU gets on a run and you get to the point in the game where you say, if they can get a stop here and go down and knock down another shot, that is going to put St. Mary's so far on their heels that, that they have a chance to win this thing. Right. They don't make that shot. They just consistently don't make it. There's guys that are willing to take it, but they don't make it. They, In fact, they're not close. And so they, they kind of clutch up. They miss those important shots to get over the hump or to take the lead. And then what does St. Mary's do? They come down and knock down two straight threes. So no. their big-time players, when the game is on the line, become uber-focused. Now they are... And some of them are experienced players, but remember St. Mary's has a freshman point guard that does a phenomenal job. So somehow, I don't know whether what they do with these guys mentally in the offseason or maybe just this, uh, one more year of offseason and playing a, a longer. They have got to start making shots down the stretch when it counts to get over the hump and to do, and to do a decent job. Because um, they certainly have not this season. And they've been in really close games against really good teams, and they're hanging in there and then they can't finish the game because they can't make big shots and big moments, and the other team does. Gonzaga did the same thing the last time they played him. So I don't know how you teach that. Do you just have to get you – know. do you have to go find a guy that just does that in the transfer portal? Because guys that do that don't transfer because they're big-time players I, on other teams, Those right? guys
0: aren't in there. Yeah, I, I think uh, – I don't know what offense we run. I, we, you and I have talked about it during the year. It's like it's, – it's something like they play defense with – Passion, and they know exactly where they're supposed to be. Some of the most of the time, Um, and then they come down on offense, and they're they're running on hope, like we're going to hand it off a few times to the top of the key, and then when the shot clocks at ten, we're going to hope that someone
1: can drive and make a shot. And it's you know it's it's not that that
0: strategy's won sixteen games, but it's lost fourteen games.
1: Well, it's about. It's about guys, Dave. It's about guys. Yeah. You could run this exact same offense with Tulson and TJ Hawes and that group, and they'll go win twenty four games, right? Because they have a bunch of experienced guys, right? Not just experienced guys, but but TJ Hawes just expected to make shots from the minute he walked on campus, right? And did, right? Um, and so they need a few more pieces. There's no question about that, right? They absolutely have to have a couple more pieces. They need the guards to grow up because they haven't played well in the last couple games In big games. They haven't played well. Um, And those guys need to play with confidence and they need to be able to expect, they have to have a mindset that they expect to make big shots down the stretch. Those are the things that have to change. Can you do it with this group? I think some of this group is capable of doing it, but you have to have some new pieces Um, and you're going to play in a league that's really, really good. We're, lots of games. Like if you're really good, the games are going to be close and you're going to have to make shots down the stretch. So
0: long so, term you got to grow these guys. You got to yep. recruit them. Yep. Teach them to be centers and then when you're when there's sophomores and juniors and out shopping the portal for a center. Right. But you're right. They have to go to the portal because they got no options and roll the dice again. But yep. The risk of rolling the dice. I'm in Vegas tonight. The risk. There's a lot of people rolling dice down here tonight that are losing their shirts.
1: Well, the one thing that's going to help BYU though, when you go to the tra- in the past when BYU's going to the transfer portal, it was it was kids you were getting from Detroit Mercy and some of these places who are not happy there, want to step up a little bit, or they're in a bigger place that they're not getting playing time, and they want to get more playing time. Now, when BYU moves into the Big Twelve, can they change that selling pitch just a little bit? So now you get te- guys that are transferring from teams in the WCC, in the Mountain West, that want to play in a P5 conference, that are actually really good at those schools, and a ro- and not just a role player, but a pivotal player that's going, you know what, for the next three years, um, I flew under the radar when I came out of high school, but for the next three years I want to play in a P5 conference, and I want to play Kansas, and I want to play against Kansas State and Iowa State, and I want to play in the best conference in America. The level of portal transfers... And the type may change dramatically over the next couple of years. And so there, there may be some guys that they can find there with that change of venue. And, and I realized that we were going to the Big 12, but it still wasn't going to be the Big 12 this year. Next year, they're in the Big 12. Let's see what they can do in the portal.
0: A couple of news and notes that we want to talk about, Lauren Gustin, and our final thoughts tonight. Yes. Men's volleyball. They're number eight in the new poll. Uh, gymnastics, they're home against Utah State. Friday night on BYU TV at nine Eastern softballs off to a seven and two start baseballs two and two men's golf when the John A Burns intercollegiate set a program record minus 54 for 54 holes. That was fantastic. Track and field wins the uh, mountain Pacific sports Federation indoor championships again, they're getting ready for the big 12 next year men's swim and dive. They win the MPSF title for the third straight year. The women finished third this year, and Lauren Gustin is making history again, now the leading rebounder for a single season in the history of this league that BYU is about to leave.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. 440 rebounds um, is the single-season record in WCC. She passed uh, 1,000 career points on Thursday. Unbelievable what Lauren is doing. Um, and she's scoring, but what she's doing on the rebounding end of the floor is just ridiculous. And, and you know what? They've got a couple of tough they got a couple of tough ones. They played two yeah. best teams in the league this week, but they have them both at home. Portland and Gonzaga. chance to get revenge. I'd be happy if they went one and one uh, um, this week, but hey, I'm not putting it past them to go two and0 this week at home in the Marriott right. Center with, with Lauren Gustin and, and and Nani doing what they can do. Uh, they're nine and seven right now. They're sitting in fourth, which would have them not playing until um, until Saturday. If they, if they actually could hold that, right? No, not till Monday. Saturday. Saturday. Oh, that's right, so Saturday. Because s- it's just Saturday. the final two that, that sit until Monday right. in the semis. So not until Saturday. You know, most people would not project them to be in those top four because of who they play this week, but we'll see. We'll let that play out because they're pretty darn good at home.
0: They just got a commitment from a 6-2 player from Egypt, Janice Solomon, 11 points, 9.6 rebounds at Western Reserve Academy in Hudson, Ohio. This is a huge get for them because it brings Lauren Gustin, a tag team partner down low for next year, which they need. Cause you talk about Gustin, she's doing all that, getting double team. And, and she's not on a 27 and three team. Like, like last year, they're 14 and 13 and she's getting double teamed and she's still getting a double double almost every night. I think three nights this year, she didn't is all. And then, over a thousand points now, and and as you mentioned, 440
1: rebounds with two people hanging on her the whole game. Yeah, and it's phenomenal. The, and she's she the, the one person. Some help? They're saying they're saying every coach is saying, "Do not let her get to the glass. You need to put a body on her. Let's put two people on her. You block her out every time. I don't even care if you get a rebound. You block her out so other people can get a rebound. That's what they're saying. And she'll go out and get 24 rebounds. Like it's unbelievable what she's doing. It's crazy.
0: So Thursday night. Nine o'clock Eastern against Portland on BYU TV, and then Saturday afternoon, four Eastern, two Mountain, the big one with Gonzaga on BYU TV.
1: Right, and then so those are
0: a couple of big ones, and then and then they'll all be in Vegas. And Saturday
1: night, the men's game. Um, uh, don't forget to tune in for game day on BYU TV. I'll be on that with Jeremy and uh, Ty. Are you calling either of those women's games, Dave, this week? No, I don't think so. I think Spencer's on those. Okay, Okay. I'm
0: saving my. My voice up for our marathon rundown here. Yeah,
1: we'll be down at the WCC tournament. We're going to carry the first two rounds of the men's tournament. Everything leading up to the championship on the women's side. We'll get get to see Lauren Gustin. Um, March 2nd from the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas is when we start all of that down there. Um, so make sure you join us on BYU TV. We'll be doing the league's broadcast for that, that uh, whole week. So well, over that weekend and we into the week. Yeah.
0: Great show tonight. Justin Anna, linebackers coach. And uh, former Cougar and pastor of the Transformation Church in Lancaster County, South Carolina, Doctor Derwin Gray. It's fun. Uh, we'd say something, and then they would just kick into another story. And uh, next thing you know, he's taken us where only he can take us. Uh, in those moments with Ty and and Lavelle and and uh, in the NFL with the Naked Preacher and and all those things. Uh, fantastic uh, show. Let's roll out with the Wise Guys inspirational quote of the week. From
1: Bill Murray. One of my idols, Bill Murray, a man of much wisdom, (laughs) right? Um, He says, the best way to teach your kids about taxes is by eating 30% of their ice cream. Well said. It's that
0: time of year. Well said. It's tax time, as you know. Yeah. That makes sense. And even a a five-year-old can understand what it's like to lose 30% of their
1: ice cream. Absolutely. So, hey, thanks again to linebacker coach Justin Enna. And former Cougar and pastor of the Transformation Church in Lancaster County, South Carolina, Dr. Derwin Gray. Next week, Sione Pua, um, the defensive line coach for BYU. We're excited to have Sione uh, in with us, and then Kalen Hall um, is, is going to be on with us, and he'll give us an update on uh, how Jaron's coming along and NFL prospects and all of that.
0: I think he, he, Kalen and you have a lot in common. They played here, and then all his kids played here. Yep.
1: No, and, and, and uh, he he's got great stories about when he played, and he'll have some great stories about being a dad and 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 watching watching his boys play. So, it'll be fun to have him on with us next week. So, make sure you join us next week. Uh, stay safe out there. Still hasn't started snowing in Provo yet, but I understand it okay. is snowing in Salt Lake City. Hopefully, you get home tomorrow. Hopefully, I yes, get to so Seattle it. tomorrow, and then uh, I'll see everybody. Yeah. Sat- I'll see everybody uh, Saturday night on BYU TV. And then Dave and I will see you, both of us will see you next Tuesday uh, back here on The Wise Guys. And then we'll see you all next week and weekend on BYU TV and other affiliated networks as we bring you the WCC tournament. See you next week.
0: All right, see you guys.